If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to get ready to get into the Word of God here. And um, we are in full swing uh, of uh, the Christmas season. We're in full swing. Um, uh, everyone looks uh, satisfied and content. I, I believe you had a great thanks, uh, Thanksgiving, and we thank God for uh, the time that we had with uh, friends and family and, and uh, whatever you were doing. We praise God for that. Uh, but here we go. We're, we're, uh, Christmas is around the corner, um, as you can see, and as, as we get ready for this, um, it's, a, it's a time of, of, of joy. It's a, it's a time for us to celebrate uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, His birth, and uh, the sacrifice that He made for us. In so many ways, it's a celebration. It's a time for us uh, just to enjoy friends and family and all the good things that God's given us. It's a time of celebration as the Christmas season uh, is upon us. It's a joyous time, uh, but it's a busy time nonetheless. Can you say Amen. I mean, you're thinking about it, right? If you have young children or, or family in general, you're thinking about gifts, you're thinking about finances, you're thinking how things are going to work out, you're planning and strategizing, um, you're, you're trying to manage your schedule and making time for certain things, uh, uh, whether it's going places, travel, uh, spending time with family, all these things, uh, we're now in full swing of all of that. And it seems that we have to always be reminded, brother and sister, that uh, what this season is all about, and as, uh, as we strive to do all that God wants us to do, we're going to have to constantly keep things in priority in our lives, in right priority. Can you say amen? Because it's easy when situations uh, come up, when things transpire for priorities to shift and things sometimes to go haywire. And sometimes it's easy to lose sight as we try to fill our lives up with so many different things, commitments, schedules, things that we enjoy doing. And I believe as time has progressed in these days that uh, people's schedules has be, have become that much more full with, with busyness, with various pursuits and various ambitions. Our lives can become so full of many different things Again, from material possessions to ambitions to schedules to work to career to school, all these different things, school, emotions, relationships, our lives can become full. And if we're not careful, these things, these activities, these things that we're a part of, and many times good things that we're a part of, not bad things, but they're good things. They're things that, that we should have responsibility over, things that we should give ourselves to. If we're not careful, we, have, we, can, we can see sometimes that the thing that needs to be number one priority in our life can sometimes take a second, third, or fourth row seat in our lives. We, all, we always must remember, church, that God needs to be center in our lives, that God needs to be number one, that he is the one that needs to sit on the throne of our hearts. Can you say amen? Because he loves us, he created us, he died for us. He gave his one and only son for us, so he always has to keep first priority in our lives. And I think as, as followers of Jesus Christ, as servants, we have to strive and we have to toil to keep things in balance in our lives. It's a sacrifice. We're going to know when and ha we're going to have to know when to say yes and when to say no to certain things so that we can keep things in right priority in our lives. We have to constantly toil with the effort to keep Jesus close, to keep him number one, and to always give him room 
in our lives to do what he wants us to do. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, I want to read this uh, passage here, Luke chapter 2, verse 1, uh, 1 through 7. And here we see in the beginning, this was at the time of the birth of Jesus, and, and uh, before then we see the, the journey that Joseph and Mary were having to take in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, at the time the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. In verse 3, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. Now listen to this as we conclude this passage here. She laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. There was no lodging available for them. Let's bow our heads as we pray this morning. Lord, we come before you this morning, God. We're so grateful for your loving kindness, Lord God. We thank you for the calling, God. We thank you for the perfect plan that you have, Father God, for each and every one of our lives, Lord. And I pray, Lord, this morning that you would help each and every one of us, Lord, during this Christmas season, that we celebrate you, Lord, that we celebrate your birth, Father God. I pray that you would help us always to make room for you, Father God, to to never let you, Lord, fall to, to second, third, fourth priority, Lord God, but that you would remain number one in our lives and that you would help us to follow you, to serve you, God, wholehearted, my God. Father, I lift up your people here uh, this morning, God, hearing my voice in the sanctuary, those also tuning in online, praying for your grace and strength upon each and every one of us as we strive to serve you and deliver for you, Father God. We thank you. We ask in Jesus' name. We all say amen. amen. Now, the Bible says in, in uh, Luke 2, seven there that there was no lodging available for them and i want to preach a message entitled this morning uh, make room make room now god desires to do great things in our lives god has a plan for each and every one of us we look in the word of god we understand what his promise is there what the word of god says that he has a plan and purpose for each and every one of us he has a calling on our lives each and every one of us you in this place, you, hear, you could hear my voice, those tuning in online. God has a plan for you. He has something that he desires for you to accomplish during our short time on this earth. Something that he wants us to accomplish, wants us to perform in his name. Something he wants us to do. But as I was opening up here in this message, it's easy to get busy with different things. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to have our lives so filled up with things and commitments and schedules and, and all these different things, and, and many times, as I, as I mentioned, which are good things, that there's no more room sometimes for the Lord in our lives because we're so busy with all these different things. And the same way here, as Jesus and his mother and father, as they showed up to the end, there was no more room for them. And as we strive to make room for Jesus in our lives, and we strive to keep him number one in our lives, we have to understand that we must replace pride with humility. Now, I want to look at that for a moment, pride. 
Because pride is something that can keep our hearts full, as we might say, but not really full, but, but self-sufficient, thinking that I could do it myself, that I got this, I got this handled. I could handle this situation. I know how to deal with this situation. I have the wisdom, the understanding. And sometimes God is put on the shelf and we think that we could do it all ourselves. If we're going to make room for him, we must replace pride with humility. And there's a story in 2 Kings chapter 5. And the whole passage uh, for you to read on your own time is 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 through 19. But it's a, it's a powerful passage, and it's a passage about this man named Naaman. And who was Naaman? Let's look at what the, the scriptures say here about this, this man, Naaman. First, it says he was a commander of the army of the king of Assyria. Okay, so he was a commander of the army. So a man of stature, a man of nobility, a man of rank. Okay, uh, The Bible also says that he was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. He was great, he was honorable, he was a commander of an army. So we're seeing his accolades, his accomplishments, his resume as it were. It says the Lord had given him great victory in Syria, Naaman. Uh, it also goes on to say that he was a mighty man of valor. Man, if one of these things can be said about us, we would be having a great day, right? But here's Naaman, all these things are being said about him. Now he was a mighty man of valor. He's a powerful man. He was a man of rank. He was a man of power. He's a man of authority. But Naaman, just like any human being, he had an issue. See, we all, we all have our accolades, right? The things that we've accomplished, the things that we're proud of, that we could put on our resume, right? When you think of a resume, everyone puts the, the best things about themselves. You don't want to go into a job interview and, and talk about your failures and your hangups. They don't need to know about that. They just need to know about my gold points, right? They need to know about the things that, that I'm proud of. But Naaman, just like any person, he had an issue. And the Bible says that he was a leper. He had leprosy. He had this physical ailment, this physical disease. So he had all these accolades, all these things going for him, but he had an issue. He was a leper. Now, as he was dealing with this in his household, uh, the story goes on to say in this passage that a captive of Israel, a young girl that was waiting on his wife, so she was there in their household, and she waited on Naaman's wife, and she said this. She said, if only my master were, the, uh, were with the prophet in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. So this young girl, she knew truth. She knew about a prophet that God used to bring healing on people. And she said this to Naaman's wife. So then the word got back to Naaman, and then Naaman told the king of Syria, his boss, he told the king of Syria what the young girl had said. So anyone with leprosy, this issue, this disease, I'm sure in his heart, he had, he, he had these accolades about him, he had these things that he, he accomplished, but in his heart, he was, he was seeking God for a healing. He was longing for a healing for a better time in his life. So he told the king of Assyria what the young girl had said. And the king of Assyria sent a letter on his behalf to the king of Israel, asking him to heal Naaman of his leprosy. So here, here we hear uh, how things are transpiring. So now as we look at our passage in 2 Kings chapter 5, let's look at verse 7. The Bible says this. It says, And it happened when the, the, when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and said, 
Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me in verse 8. So it was when Elisha, now this is the prophet of God, okay, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me. Talking about Naaman. Elisha was saying, let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So we have the, the, the setting here. We have Naaman, a powerful man, a man of authority, a man of rank, a man, man of power. He had this issue, and word was sent to the king of Israel to, to, to heal this man. And Elisha hears about it, and he says, okay, let him come. So what do we think happens here? Of course, Elisha, the man of God, he should have knew who Naaman was. Naaman, a powerful man, a man of rank, of reputation, a victorious man in battle, commander of the army. So of course, Elisha should have rolled out the red carpet. He should have set a decree, saying, hey, everyone, Naaman is coming. Prepare. Let's, let's, let's make room for him. Let's get ready for Naaman because he is a powerful man. See, in Naaman's mind, that's what should have, hap have happened. But listen to what happened in reality as we look at uh, verse 9 of 2 Kings chapter 5. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house probably expecting a grand reception, right? Maybe a banquet, maybe, maybe, you know, so many things to keep his esteem up. But look in verse 10. It says, And Elisha sent a message, messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. This caught Naaman off guard. Naaman, who was used to being respected, and received with a great reception Naaman who was used to this. He was a man of authority. He was a commander. But he received a message from the prophet. He didn't even get true FaceTime with him. Elisha sent his messenger. Hey, go tell him to do this. How would you feel? How would I feel? Right? Sometimes we think so highly of ourselves, right? Each and every one of us. Whether we're that person at work or in, in, in relationship or uh, in rank in different ways in our life. How would we feel? We probably would feel like Naaman felt here as we're going to read here in, in a second. In verse 11, look, let's look at it. 2 Kings 5.11. But Naaman became furious and he went away. So he stormed off. He was furious. He was raging. And he said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. That was, that's what was going on in Naaman's mind. And then he goes on in verse 12, are not the Abana and the Paraphar, uh, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the, the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. Naaman desired healing. He was seeking God for healing. He, he, was, he was going through it physically. He had leprosy. It's the worst, the worst disease you could have. And he thought Elisha would just come out and proclaim a word and raise, raise his hand over him and he would be healed. That easy. And isn't that how we are sometimes with the issues in our lives? We have it all worked out in our mind. 
how it's going to transpire, how, how your healing is going to transpire, how your deliverance is going to transpire, how this situation is going to be worked out. But when you get instruction from God, when the Holy Spirit is, 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 is urging you to do a different thing, maybe to, to, to say I'm sorry or to seek a, a, a forgiveness from someone, maybe you feel it wasn't your fault, but the Holy Spirit is saying, don't worry about it. I know it's not your fault, but this is the solution to you mending that relationship. Say, I'm sorry. And we do what Naaman did. We become enraged and we walk away. See, Naaman had a choice to make here. He wanted healing. But he didn't get the news that he wanted. It wasn't playing out as he saw in his mind. And that's how it is with us many times with situations in our lives. God wants to move. God wants to do things in our lives. And we have it all worked out in our head how it's going to transpire, how it's going to work out. But when God unfolds a different plan, we become enraged and we become furious and we go away as Naaman did. So right here in this process, this miracle that was about to transpire over Naaman's life, the thing that God wanted to do in his life, it was almost roadblocked. It was almost stopped, dead in its tracks. Why? Because of pride. As I had mentioned a moment ago, God desires to do great things in our lives. God is working in our lives. He's doing great things, but we have to be watchful. Amen. We have to be watchful when pride shows up and when we're dealing with pride. And we know how that feels. You know how it feels. I know how it feels when your, your pride just, just rises up. Don't they know who I am? Why are they treating me like this? Or why did they say that? Don't they know who I am? Naaman felt the same way. So believer, we must be careful, always be careful. Because we know God's working in our lives. God's doing a beautiful work. But many times, pride will try to get in the way. So what's beautiful about this story is we jump to verse 13. The Bible says, and his servants, talking about Naaman's servants, they came near and spoke to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then? when he says to you, wash and be clean. See, I think this passage right here shows great character about Naaman. It shows me that Naaman surrounded himself with people that would tell him the truth. People that would raise his hand, and they respected him, they honored him, but they said, hey, Naaman, man, hold on a minute, hold on, Naaman. And they, they said this to him, if the servants came out and spoke to him, and they said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? So this is a beautiful lesson here on who we surround ourselves with, brother and sister. We want people that will encourage us, people that will motivate us. But when it's time to tell the truth, God help us to have people around us that will tell us the truth, that will love us enough to say, hey, hold on, hold on a minute. I hear how you're talking. Just, just put on the brakes for a moment. Why don't you think about this? Or let's look at this angle. Keep those people close to you. And it's not always going to be what you want to hear. Can you say amen? Man, it's not. It's not always going to be what we want to hear, but it's going to be what we need to hear. Naaman sheds light on, on the wisdom that he had here to surround himself with sensible people. Now, in verse 14, Naaman, his action right here, he, he, he broke through his pride in verse 14. So he went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Thank you, Jesus. See, he had to break through that, that pride. Praise God. He had to break through that pride, and then his healing came. 
believer, brother and sister, we must always keep a heart of humility. God desires to bring healing. God desires to bring deliverance. God desires to bring breakthrough. But when pride gets in the way, what it does is it stops that miracle from happening because we say that we're self-sufficient, that we don't need to do it this way. That God, this can't be you because I had it all worked out in my mind. But the Holy Spirit is showing you a new way. Follow him in humility. Doesn't always feel good, right? Because when we have to kill our pride, it's a sacrifice, but we must give, we must have a heart of humility. James 4, 6, the Bible says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Always keep a heart of humility. That'll make room for the Lord to move in our lives. Make room for God to do what he wants to do in our lives. Why? Because we're keeping a heart of humility. Secondly, if we're going to make room for him, we must let faith be a constant part of our everyday life. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Thank you, Jesus. It's that confidence that you have what you hope for. We have to be people of faith. We have to live by faith. We have to walk by faith each and every day. Let faith be a part of your everyday life. Continue to believe God for those breakthroughs. Continue to believe God for those miracles. Continue to proclaim them and profess them in your life. We have to live by faith if it's going to transpire. It has to be part of our life. Now, faith manifests itself in different ways in our lives. But one of the ways that we can manifest this faith is the way that we pray. The way that we worship, the way that we talk. Now, you know how this sounds. You've been around people of faith. You're around your brothers and sisters, people of faith, and they speak words of encouragement of faith. If they know in your life that you're believing God for a breakthrough, they encourage you with those words. As we strive to live by faith, why don't we pray according to faith? Why don't we begin to thank God in our worship time? Lord, thank you for my healing, Lord God. Thank you for my deliverance, Lord Jesus. Thank you for meeting the need, Lord. Thank you for saving my family. Thank you for bringing in my son and my daughter, Lord. Thank you for this and for that. We always thank God for it as though it has already happened. That is faith. Thank you, Jesus. So when you're praying, listen to the way you're praying. Is it a prayer of faith? Or is it a prayer that, woe was me, God, I'm down and out, things aren't working out. And we have to be honest with the Lord, we do. But let our prayers be watered with faith. Let our worship be watered and drenched with faith. We have to dig those ditches. I, I ministered a message uh, not too long ago about the story here, and I'll, I'll just summarize it briefly in 2 Kings chapter 3. There's a lesson here of digging ditches and making room for the Lord to move, for, for the miracle to transpire. And there is a story here about these three kings in 2 Kings chapter 3 about Joram. He was a king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, he was a king of Judah, and the king of Edom. And the story goes on to say that these three kings were going to make war against this rebellious king, the king of Moab. And as they banded together and they were journeying through the wilderness to make war against the king of Moab, this rebellious king... They were there in the wilderness, and their food and water supplies ran out, and they were on the verge of death, and they were afraid of dying, them and their army. And King Joram's officer in, our, in uh, this chapter here said that he said, there's a prophet in Israel, the Lord speaks through him. 
And here was the command that the Lord gave in 2 Kings 3.16. And again, this whole passage is powerful in this whole, in this whole chapter, 2 Kings chapter 3. But in 2 Kings 3.16, it says, And he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. And we could spend a whole message and time on this, on this, this topic right here. But what this is showing us is as, as the command of the Lord was to go and make this valley full of ditches, what the Lord was preparing them to do was to live by faith, to make room for the miracle that was going to transpire. They desired to, to drink and to have their, their thirst quenched. So what did they have to do? They had to make room for the water. And I'm sure at first they were thinking like, man, can't the Lord just send rain right now or can't, can't it just transpire like this? But it came with the, with the word of the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. And as the story goes on, they said the next morning that they woke up, all these ditches were filled with water and they were able to drink. See, that's the Lord's word to us this morning. You're believing God for a miracle. Make room for it. Make room for it in your prayers, as we mentioned. Begin to thank God for that miracle. Begin to thank God and, and, and speak words of faith to those around you. I thank God for what he's going to do in my life. I thank God for deliverance. I thank God for providing. I thank God for meeting the need. Yes, we have this need right now. Perhaps it's financial. Perhaps it's physical. But whatever it is, I thank God that he's already doing it. Praise God. I'm going to thank God for him today. I'm going to give God praise right now for him doing this thing. I've been believing, I've been contending, and I thank God for him accomplishing and doing this thing. That is faith. Make room for it. Make room for it. I remember back, and, and many of you know, know my story, my wife's story, and how we were believing God for, for children. And I remember people of faith just, just through, through different seasons in our life before this even came to pass, sharing words of encouragement, words of faith. I remember a brother uh, um, buying a, a, a bottle of, of apple cider, and it was apple cider, okay? He said, we're going to open this in celebration when you have your first baby. And this was years before. This was, you know, and I had, I had uh, shared our desire, and, and, and there was an act of faith. There was something tangible right there. Perhaps you're believing God for, for, for children, and you're believing God for in this place. I, I urge you, hold on to that faith because it's going to happen in Jesus' name. As you, as you hold on to that promise, as you hold on to faith in Jesus' name, that is going to transpire. That's going to take place. That's for somebody this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Go and buy that, that, that onesie. Go and buy that, that, that thing to activate your faith so that you have it right there and you see it each and every day. And you thank God, God, you're going to fill this up. Lord, you're going to send me a son. You're going to send me a daughter. I thank you for it, Lord. Activate your faith. Do it. God is faithful. As we live by faith, as we walk by faith, It'll come to pass. Dig those ditches. You know what that means for you in your life, in your spirit right now. I believe the Lord, the Holy Spirit's bringing revelation to you and what that means for you. Perhaps in your career, perhaps it's at, your, at your job. You're believing God for a promotion. You're believing God for some new opportunities there at your job. Step into them. Begin acting like you are that person. that You're, you're doing the work. You're already doing, doing the work. You're already pursuing that. Live by faith. And lastly, as we make room for him, we must make time for him to be with him. 
In Luke 10, 38, the Bible says in this, this amazing passage here, Luke 10, 38, it says, And Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, and they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Praise God. So here was Jesus. Martha, what a righteous act, welcomed Jesus into her home, okay? Verse 39, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. So you had Martha welcome Jesus into her home. You had her sister Mary sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. In verse 41, but the Lord said to her, Dear Martha, you were worried and upset over all the details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. See, both of these things that were being done were good. Martha did a good act. She invited Jesus into her home. That was righteous. But she got distracted with all the work, and all these responsibilities had to take place. They had to transpire. But what was Mary doing? Mary saw the opportunity. Jesus is here in our midst. I'm going to sit at his feet and I'm going to listen to what he taught. And Jesus said she chose the better thing. See, these things we're involved in, church, they're good things. They're righteous things. But we can never let anything take the place of us sitting at the feet of Jesus, gleaning from him, spending time with him, listening to what he's teaching, loving on him, worshiping him, thanking him. And during this Christmas season, let this stay near and dear to our heart, brother and sister, that no matter how busy we get and how many responsibilities we have to fulfill, how many gifts you have to go out and buy, how much money you have to go out and spend, how many things you have to do, never let anything take the place of you and I sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him, thanking him, giving him praise for everything that he's done. Nothing should ever take that place. Indeed, here there was much that Mary could have been doing, as, she, as, as Martha was saying. There was much work to get done. There were many responsibilities to fulfill. There were many things to live up to, uh, to live up to. Indeed, these things that we should be doing, but nothing trumps the value of sitting at the Lord's feet. And lastly here, I want to share a passage as we talk about spending time with him and keeping him in his rightful place in Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 28. Here we have the passage of Jesus' triumphal entry. And we have the responses of two different groups of people as Jesus was, was uh, arriving here on the scene in Luke 19, 36. The Bible says, As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. And here's what they said in verse 38. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. So they were worshiping God here. But look at verse 39. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for, for saying things like that. And he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Here we, we see two responses. Jesus was making his way here into Jerusalem. And he, here we see his followers laying out the red carpet for him, as it were, worshiping him, thanking him for the miracles that he was doing, giving him praise for, for all, all he was doing, thanking God, glory to God, to the highest in the heavens, glory to God for Jesus coming here to our city. 
some of the Pharisees, they said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. See, what response will we have when Jesus comes on the scene? Perhaps we're met with inconvenience because of what God wants to do. Many times that can happen. It's not always going to be in our timing or according to our plan as we learned with Naaman. But what will we do when the Lord's at work? Even when we don't understand it, will we thank God for it? Will we worship him for that? God, thank you for what you're doing. I may not understand what you're doing, God. I may not see the end result to this, Lord, but, I'm, uh, but I have faith and I know that you're working something beautiful in my life. So God, I'm gonna worship you for this. I'm gonna praise you for this time I have. It may not feel good. It may not look good sometimes, Lord, but I thank you because I know that you are at work in my life. Or will we be the ones like the Pharisees that will rebuke those who are worshiping him like we should be doing? So we have to make room for him during this season as our worship team makes their way up. And I know each and every one of us in this place, we want to be blessed. I know there are those in this place, you're believing God for a miracle in your life. You're believing God for breakthrough. You're believing God to answer that prayer. You're believing God to supply for the need. You've been seeking God for it. But the next step for us, brother and sister, is we have to let our faith be activated. We have to pray according to faith. We have to worship in faith. We have to thank God for accomplishing what we desire for him to accomplish. We want to be blessed. We need that miracle. We have to make room for it in our lives. You know, when a baby is expected in a household, a new baby, there needs to be room that's made for that new blessing. There needs to be room in the vehicle. There needs to be a seat for that baby. There needs to be a bed for that baby. There needs to be a place for that baby to, to, to rest his or her head. See, you have to make room. And we understand what that means in the physical, but how about in the spiritual? Are you making room for that healing? Are you making room for that blessing? Are your prayers reflecting that miracle? Is your worship reflecting that miracle? Or is during worship just a time where, oh my gosh, how long is this? Oh, we 20 minutes and we get to the preaching, good, good, good. Or is it a time for us to thank God? Lord, thank you for meeting the need. Thank you for providing. And in all the years of being saved and serving God, I can say, I know many of you can say that God is a miracle worker. Amen. Here in 2023, he's still in the miracle working business. He's still doing it. And you may say, I, I see God doing it in that person's life, in that person's life. You know the good news? that he's no respecter of persons. He sees you in your seat. He sees that need that you still have. But he wants us to begin to thank him for already doing it, for accomplishing that thing. He wants us to thank him for that breakthrough, for meeting that need, for providing for that need, for saving that loved one, for helping us at our jobs, for helping us in school 
for helping us in our ministry, for helping us in that relationship situation. We have to thank God for it as though it has already happened. We have to make room for the blessing. You need healing? Thank God for that healing already. You need provision? You have a material need? You have a financial need? Thank God for meeting that need. You need breakthrough? Thank God for that breakthrough. Lord, I thank you for that breakthrough. God, I thank you for deliverance in my life. Lord, I thank you for accomplishing it. I thank you for doing it, Lord. I thank you for glorifying yourself through my life. You need deliverance. You need healing. You need breakthrough. We have to remain at his feet. We have to constantly and always strive to make room for him, to keep him number one in our lives. We have to dig those ditches, make room for the miracle. Always remember, brother and sister, that we have to have and keep a spirit of humility because God exalts that. We have to have faith and we have to always make time for him. And as we do that, as we're faithful to him, God will be faithful to us as he's already been, but there's more that he wants to accomplish. So let's stay at his feet. Let's continue to stay humble and have faith and spend time with him knowing that he will accomplish everything he wants to accomplish in our lives. Praise God. Let's bow our heads this morning. Thank you, Jesus.